Uh, my name is Alana Swartz, and I'm a middle school student. I like Progress Texas because it focuses a lot on messaging, and I think it's really important to say exactly what you mean because people could misinterpret it. It's Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. President Joe Biden made a whirlwind stop in Dallas yesterday, his first to the city as president to attend the wake service for the late great Eddie Bernice Johnson, longtime congresswoman and trailblazer for both women and black Texans. It started, though, with a disturbance at Love Field. Hojin Choi at the Dallas Morning News writes that multiple pro-Palestine demonstrators were arrested during a rally at the airport against the president in relation to the Israel-Hamas conflict after attempting to block the entrance to Love Field shortly before Biden's arrival. The Johnson Wake at Concord Church in the Redbird area of southern Dallas County was attended by a who's who of political powerhouses, including U.S. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, U.S. Representatives James Clyburn, Benny Thompson, Jasmine Crockett, Gregory Meeks, Mark Vesey, Sylvia Garcia, Al Green, and Sanford Bishop. Former U.S. Trade Representative and former Dallas Mayor Ron Kirk, former Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner, State Senators Royce West and Nathan Johnson, and more. Among the speakers was U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, who paid tribute to EBJ, calling her Our Yellow Rose. Those full remarks are included at the end of this podcast. President Biden arrived at the sanctuary a bit late, just before 8 p.m., and the service was paused for him to meet with Johnson's family in front of the sanctuary. He did not address the congregation of 3,500, as we reported yesterday he might. Rather, he shook hands with members of Congress and then departed after about five minutes or so. Eddie Bernice Johnson's funeral is this morning at 10, also at Concord Church, and she is to be laid to rest at the Texas State Cemetery in Austin tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday the 10th. Another federal dignitary paid a visit to Texas yesterday as well. Benjamin Wormand at the Houston Chronicle writes that Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was in Eagle Pass to meet with Border Patrol agents as House Republicans prepare for hearings centered on the Biden administration's handling of the border this week that could result in Mayorkas becoming the first cabinet secretary impeached in nearly 150 years. Republican lawmakers have targeted Mayorkas for the record number of border crossings in recent months as he leads the agency charged with oversight of immigration enforcement. The secretary pushed back on the GOP narrative, urging Congress to take action on immigration, including approving $6 billion in emergency border security funding the Biden administration requested last year to hire Border Patrol agents and asylum officers. House Republicans, perhaps seeking to extend the border crisis, which helps them politically towards the November election, have been blocking this new funding for federal border personnel. Addressing another misplaced Republican border concern, Mayorkas also wants to install inspection machines meant to catch fentanyl at ports of entry, where the vast majority of that dangerous drug comes across, not normally on the backs of asylum and work-seeking migrants. As we've talked about lately, the issue landscape at this early point in the 2024 election year is very much the border versus abortion rights. Michael McCardle at WFAA in Dallas writes that in a recent Dallas Morning News op-ed, U.S. Senate hopeful Colin Allred believes that reproductive freedom is the winning issue for Democrats and has pledged, if elected to the Senate, to work to codify the protections stripped away with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Appearing on WFAA's Inside Texas Politics show, Allred laid out his vision to, quote, go back to the standard that we've had for the last 50 years. 
because what we're going to have now is that lawyers, not doctors, are going to be determining whether or not a woman is sick enough for her to get the care that her doctor thinks she needs, unquote. Andrew Schneider at Texas Public Media writes that with the 2024 Texas primary elections now less than two months away, Allred still leads the Democratic PAC from a fundraising perspective by a Texas country mile. Having amassed a campaign war chest of $7.9 million, that tops Cruz himself, who had less than $5.8 million on hand at the end of September. Allred leads by a wide margin in popularity polling as well, 28% to next runner-up Texas State Senator Roland Gutierrez is 7% in the latest University of Texas Texas Politics Project poll. And while Sharon Navarro, a political scientist at the University of Texas at San Antonio, believes that Ted Cruz is vulnerable, as evident in the last senatorial election in 2018, when Beto O'Rourke came within two percentage points of toppling Cruz, she also thinks all of the Democratic candidates in this race have a problem with name recognition that O'Rourke did not so much have. Navarro says, quote, Allred has been making the speech circus for a few months now, and he still has a lack of recognition. We know that Roland Gutierrez is out there, and those are the two most well-known, if you could say that. Everyone knows Ted Cruz for good or bad, unquote. Speaking of UT San Antonio, over to education and the immediate aftermath of the outlawing of diversity, inclusion, and equity offices and efforts on the campuses of Texas's public universities by SB 17, Matt Roy at News 4 San Antonio writes on the uncertain path being negotiated by UTSA officials who initially tried to repurpose their DEI office to comply with the law while continuing to provide assistance to minorities as well with plans to convert their existing Office of Inclusive Excellence and its staff to a new department called the Office of Campus and Community Belonging. That was back at the beginning of December, and now, just a month later, that plan has been abandoned. UTSA President Taylor Amy informed the university's faculty, staff, and students last week in a letter that, quote, given our evolving understanding of SB 17, as well as continuing voluntary changes in staffing and personnel reappointments, it no longer makes sense to launch the new office. Instead, we will leverage the strong capabilities of our existing offices and divisions to realign ADA and disability services, campus climate, and community engagement activities across various institutional divisions, unquote, and obviously less than clear. Also unclear is whether any of the staff that were headed for that new office will be let go. Sources tell News 4 San Antonio the university has also told staff and faculty not to speak to the media on the matter. Meanwhile, more uplifting news from Austin's Houston Tillotson University and Aranisha Heron at KVU-TV, who says staff and students at the celebrated historically black college are pushing for a partnership with Austin ISD to get more black male teachers into the classroom. Black men only make up 1.3% of teachers in the U.S., according to 2021 data from the National Center for Education Statistics. Houston Tillotson professor Jesse Rivers is taking the lead on the university's effort to partner with Austin ISD. He says, quote, black male teachers are more apt to be culturally responsive and culturally sensitive to the needs of young black men. So that reduces a lot of the angst and prejudices that we have, unquote. Austin ISD's Teachers Union President Ken Zarifas is all in, saying his organization wants, quote, a rich experience in schools so that every kid going to school has a rich, fulfilling experience where they see themselves, but also others, so that they become a fuller person, unquote. Things have been tough lately for some of our veterans here in Texas. Monica Madden writes for KTSM in El Paso on a new federal report that shows that while our state's overall rate of homelessness remains lower than the national average at about 9 in every 10,000 people, 
Homelessness actually rose in general from 2022 to 2023 in Texas, particularly affecting the state's veteran population to an alarming rate. This new data from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development shows a 19% increase in Texas veterans experiencing homelessness last year, one of the largest jumps in the country. Eric Samuels, president and CEO of the Texas Homeless Network, isn't surprised, saying, quote, we've been warning about this for years. With a convenient housing crisis and skyrocketing rents, the lack of federal intervention into that, and the lack of an adequate social safety net, these are all reasons that we're seeing these increases, unquote. Jim Holbrook, public affairs office with the Texas Veteran Commission, says veterans in particular are susceptible to becoming homeless due to factors like mental health and substance abuse challenges. The topic of homelessness, of course, is all the more concerning as actual real winter weather has been encroaching southward. And as is generally the case in Texas, that worry extends to all of us in the skepticism that our power grid will perform. Ron Trevino and Leah Wilson at KHOU-TV in Houston nervously ask, is the Texas power grid ready for winter 2024? The answer, as always, depends on who you ask. ERCOT officials, as always, say they don't expect emergency conditions in the coming winter months and say they expect to have adequate resources as they come under demand. KHOU's energy expert adheres, however, is not so sure. He says, quote, ERCOT pointed out that if we get a URI-type storm like we had in 21 and last December, we could have a one-in-six opportunity for rolling blackouts across the state. So let's hope we don't get freezing precipitation or another really large polar vortex, unquote. Here's also reminds us that last October, ERCOT tried and failed to increase its power capacity ahead of this winter, and in November, themselves included the possibility of rolling blackouts and very cold weather. If you've not yet made at least the basic preparations, the time is right now. That's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. For this Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, links to all these original stories can be found in our show notes. Progress Texas is a nonprofit rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. While campaigns come and go, we're the permanent home for progressive media and action in the Lone Star State. As we mentioned, it's a big election year, and you can get the merch to match your progressive values at our always open web store at progresstexas.org. Choose from Y'all Means All, Revolution, or our most popular Humans Against Ted Cruz t-shirts, which are union-made, of course, right here in the Lone Star State. With your purchase, you'll support our important work and look great doing it. Again, the web store and other ways to support our ongoing mission can be found at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow morning, and we leave you now with the entirety of the remarks given last night at the wake of Eddie Bernice Johnson in Dallas by U.S. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. To the shepherd of this church, to all of those who are gathered, including our chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus and who will be the next speaker of this House of Representatives, Hakeem Jeffries, Secretary Fudge in her representation of a president that has been molded by Eddie Benice Johnson. Kirk, to you and this family, to your lovely bride, and to the beautiful sons that all of us who know EBJ literally know that we grew up listening to you growing up. Let me start first by saying that 
Eddie Bernice Johnson was our yellow rose. Let it be known that she was a civil rights fighter. She did not allow injustices to get by her. She would work across the aisle, but she would be a fighter for what was right. But her first priority was the love of her son, her daughter-in-law, extended family, and yes, those grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Somebody needs to give an applause. She was truly a mother and a lover of her family. I, too, thank you for allowing me to be able to speak. She was our dean, the dean of the Texas delegation. She was a woman who traveled in the circles of Barbara Jordan and Sarah Weddington. She was a Texas woman. Oh, she loved talking about the country that she came from, the out in the country. She loved talking about her sisters and loved talking about the family. She brought Texas to Washington. Didn't let anybody fool you about who she was. She understood that she was a product of the fight for civil rights, and that in that fight, there were some white Democrats, like Lyndon Baines Johnson, a Texas president who understood how to give back. And she stood on the shoulders when she became the first black woman to head Region 6 in the Health and Human Services. That was a big deal. And that formulated her mind about health care. And then she was a mentor to the women in this caucus. She would reach down. She was a mentor's mentor. If you were a mentor, she was going to mentor you. And she was a woman who said what she meant and meant what she said. If you needed a little chastising, please be wary. Don't let your feelings get bad. She was going to let you know it was wrong. I thank you, Chairwoman Eddie Bernice Johnson, for taking a little girl and making her a chair of the CBC breakfast on the ALC. I thank you, Eddie Bernice Johnson, for making that science committee not just a science committee, but the research king of the world. When folks didn't want to do research, you were there standing for it. I thank you, Eddie Bernice Johnson, when vulnerable women, persecuted women, came from places around the world. You helped establish the Institute for Peace, that women could come and find comfort to be able uh, to say someone cares. As I close, it's going to be hard on us. We're going to remember, even though she was out of Congress, she was still with us. And I know that her successor will keep us reminded, but we will remember Eddie Bernice Johnson walking by that science committee or another bill that comes up or her constant reminding that historically black colleges better have science and grants and money as well. They better be at the forefront as well. Don't think this wasn't a civil rights queen. And so I just want to simply say to her, Thank you for the women you've helped. Thank you for the presidents of the United States you've helped because when you stood alongside of Joe Biden, Texas went for Joe Biden in 2020. And thank you as my good friend quoted our famous words of Shakespeare. Thank you for choosing to be 
a stepping stone in our lives and never taken for granted friendship and what you meant to us. Kirk, thank you again. Your mother will always be honored, will be humbled to be able to call her sister. And God bless you for having a mom that has always been a stepping stone.